So I have a I have a little pre-show story all yeah. about links. Um, so to fill everyone in, uh, every week I procrastinate to the the tenth degree <laughs> uh, and and give give Spencer a list of show notes that we're going to talk about. Maybe like on a good day, two hours before we start recording, <laughs> and on a bad day, it's like twenty minutes before. Um, and every time. Like part of it is I come up with a stupid little poem that we want to uh, post on Macedon, but we need a link to say that, hey, we're going to be live under this link. Um, if you didn't know that we record these live, you can go and listen to follow Whoa. us on code completion at Macedon social. Anyways, uh, so we post these things, um, but I need a link for that to happen. Uh, and and Spencer, who is uh, come commander of the youtube uh control uh, yeah. is the one who provides the link but uh spencer forgets to get a link until i come up with a snarky way of reminding him 30 minutes before mind you i don't remember <laughs> pre- prior to 30 minutes before so i'm no better i i want to put that out there um spencer does an excellent job but uh it's in order to to remind himself to to get a link uh, Spencer went and and uh, updated our show notes with all caps. Spencer, get a link. Um, and of course, I saw that ten minutes later, um, as is usual. Um, and I'm like, oh, Spencer needs a link, so I went to Google, found a picture of a link, uh, and sent it over to him. And uh, uh, this is a link of link from the Legend of Zelda. Uh, link that link the one in green Very clever uh sometimes pink hair uh and spencer of course responds with link obtained ot chess music Da-na-na-na. uh so i think it is now time that i reveal that in one of my past jobs under super secret nda um this was like a work to make uh apps for the film industry so i can't couldn't really ever talk about it but yeah. at this point i don't think i care anymore it's like been 10 years um <laughs> So anyways, I wrote the software. Uh, it ran on a Mac. It, you plugged it into a big TV and you can watch like what got shot that day um, for for the movie. Um, and of course, we needed some extra commands uh, to be able to administrate it. But we wanted to keep it simple and we didn't want it to necessarily have a bunch of uh, like admin console stuff and all that. Uh, so the system I came up with, it was a very Apple TV, like pre-Apple TV OS, uh, pre-TV OS, Apple TV UI, where like the left was an image and the right was like a list that you can navigate through. Um, but since we had a keyboard attached, this was a whole Mac after all, um, right. I set it up. So if you typed a full word, like um, settings, I think was one of them, that would be like a secret keyword that would open up um some extra settings behind a password if necessary uh to do extra stuff like administer rename delete stuff etc um and because you were basically typing in the blind um i set it up so that way it would play the zelda jingle da-na-na-na, um whenever you got it right to indicate that like you did nice. the thing um you got the secret so um, I, I now spoiled the Easter egg for the people that don't use this thing anymore. Uh, but yeah. if you type, if you type certain words and I forget what they all are, there's like some piece of the code that has them all enumerated, um, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA yeah, was also was, one of them. 
I was just um, going to say, did you put the Konami code in there? That's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it also played the Zelda jingle. Uh, the key piece, though, is instead of a bouquet being in our key color, it was a bouquet in, like, the background was, like, some some quartz composer magic. Uh, that was fun uh, stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, if you typed in the Konami code, you got rainbow. Um, so nice. It adds a splash of color. So Nice. I love it. Easter that's, eggs are fun. That's you my know. Link story time. I like it. So, I guess Spencer at the top of our show notes it says get a link. Um, I don't know what yeah. that's referring to. Um... <laughs> are you, wait, what? Are you serious? No, you got one already. I, I'm joking. I'm just reading our show notes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, didn't you just hash this out? Okay, we're cool. Oh, oh we bad. totally did. I'm tired, <laughs> and I have dementia probably. Um... <laughs> Not not a half joking thing. Like over the past week, I have not remembered certain things. It's like on a moment's notice, probably like overworked as usual. But uh, yeah, yeah, I will. I will definitely die of dementia. That seems I'm, I'm pretty certain. Hello and welcome everyone once again to episode 126 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators helping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri, and I'll be your host once again for this episode, and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So, once again, to start us off, we have a few Swift Evolution updates, um, and these are actual like proposals this time. They're not pitches. Uh, yep. The first one uh, is non-copyable structs and enums, um, and this one has come up a few times, I would say, um, and has gone through a number of iterations. Um, I think it's getting to the point where uh, it's it's seeing fewer and fewer changes uh, because the entire uh, like uh, the entire review uh, post, uh, which is 98 posts long, was talking about like one problem with this whole proposal. <laughs> nice. Um, and that is the new syntax for indicating that something is not copyable. Or maybe copyable. Um, it's very complicated. You should definitely read the whole thing to really actually understand what on earth they're talking about. Uh, but basically, uh, to go over the the main proposal, uh, in Swift, we want a, the ability to have structs and enums that are not copyable. Meaning the language will actively prevent you from kind of shooting yourself in the foot and making copies of things that should really be unique and should really stay on the stack. Um, mm-hmm. That's the key piece there. Um, the reason why you would want this is for performance reasons. Sometimes you have a big blob of data, um, that you don't want to heap allocate and you just were given it and you want to make sure that that kind of, uh, lives short term and, uh, is usable by all functions that need it, but they're all going to be referencing the, the struct that is on the stack already rather than, uh, copy it to the heap and then do something there. So that's, that's the main motivation here. Um, and in order to do that, it seems like what they landed on is to have a new, uh, generic constraint, um, on the system, uh, that basically means, uh, that the type is not explicitly copyable, um, meaning that it can be non-copyable, it can be copyable, it's not making any promises and therefore anything uh that wants to to kind of 
indicate that wants to use it can go ahead and and uh make sure that it's used in one way or the other um if it sounds complicated it kind of is uh the cool part about this is it basically means a struct can have a dnet that's at the end of the day what like it mean it's it's acting as like a single single uh use class i guess um like if you if you want to think about it that way it's a class that lives on on the stack um and the way you describe this is you make a struct uh but instead of having at non copyable or at something like some weird syntax like that uh there's an even weirder syntax that they propose and that is tilde copyable yeah um, it looks weird and tilde copyable is meant to kind of be read as uh maybe copyable or i think uh, another yeah. suggestion, uh, if I can find it again, was like without copyable um, might be like another way of saying it. That said, there were some some like agreement in terms of what it could probably be in the next iteration. Without copyable is, I think, what it will probably be uh, next time. They just couldn't think of how sure. to describe this in like a terse because it's not not copyable it can be copyable but only sometimes maybe like it's a very complicated idea Schrodinger's copyable yeah basically um <laughs> and and yeah it turns out that everyone didn't really care much about the actual implementation but mostly just this tilde Sometimes. this should be an uh, uh exclamation mark but no it can't be an exclamation mark because that's not what it means um, and then, oh, it should be maybe, but it's not maybe. It's sometimes like, oh, it got complicated. Yeah. Uh, Semantics are fun. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, only th- two hard things in programming is naming things. And I forget what the other one was. Uh, off by one. Starting errors. a new file. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, 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 you've heard it before. But basically, um, yeah, the, this is I, I also like how GitHub failed to parse the swift code after a certain point because like i don't know what this tilde is um <laughs> but it's like this definitely is new yeah um but yeah that that's what this whole thing is about uh the non-copyable part has largely stayed the same like you can check the change notes um in the in the revision the revision history in the the review post and at the bottom of the proposal um but yeah, uh, if you feel strongly about tilde copyable, I guess feel free to chime in. Um, I think without copyable is probably going to win. Um, I'm always in favor of words rather than obscure yeah. symbols. Um, I guess the tilde is like, a, it's kind of copyable, uh, which also kind of works, but I don't know. Syntactically, it looks weird. I, do, I agree. I'd just rather have like, I mean, we already have absolutely massive like protocol and method names and stuff it's like let's be a little more verbose and just make sure i i agree like finding the right word is hard but Mm -hmm. yeah i'd I'd prefer a word as well yeah and to be super clear copyable is not a protocol it behaves like one um but it is not kind of like any object is not a protocol it right it kind of indicates like hey all objects are one of these things and therefore you can kind of treat it as a protocol but it's not like you can conform to it uh nor can you explicitly not conform to it though uh some of the discussion is hey maybe we do want to have objects that don't conform to any object maybe because they implement reference counting differently for instance 
Oh, um, interesting. That might be like a, a legitimate thing in Swift's near future as it starts to import wackadoodle C++ things, right? Um, so it is important to pick the right syntax here um, to describe this maybe conformance um, or this this lack of a default conformance because at the end of the day, we still want all structs to be by default copyable. Sure. Um, yep. And that's a good default for the language. The the language developers and the authors of this proposal don't want people to suddenly start writing non-copyable structs. That is not the benefit that's coming out of this. It's sometimes you really, really need to, and you should hide the details away from anyone uh, when you do need to. But it's better to write it in Swift than in C um, is kind of the the long that's story short. There. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Uh, proposal number two, uh, is a really, really cool one. Um, and I'm going to tell you why it's really, really cool, um, without really going over what the proposal is. So remember in SwiftUI when you have like a V stack and you start putting stuff in, and you're getting in the zone and you add like a whole bunch of nice controls and then you get to control number 11 and it's like, I don't know what to do with this. Yes. Um, does not compute, right? Yes. Uh, so then you're like, okay, I'm going to group the first group. 10 under yeah. group. And then I'm going to have the next one. Then you st- go, start going ham at it. You get, get more. And then it's okay. I need two groups. And it starts getting ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, and this is because uh, the view builder like API, the developers of SwiftUI hand-coded uh view builders yeah. with one view with two views with three views with four with five up to 10 and then they had said that's enough that's probably <laughs> um the same thing happened in the swift standard library it turns out uh when you have tuples tuples i don't know uh tupleware um <laughs> tuples good. tuples tupleware um so uh if if you have a tuple or a tuple depending on who you are i don't know which one is you um the the quality is actually built in for single member tuples two member tuples three member tuples up to six members and then they're basically like come on just use a struct yeah yeah Yeah. um that's that's the gentle hint um and that gentle hint is there because once again someone copy pasted enough times equality for tuples up to six members and then was like we're kind of we're kind of done with it um and yeah that's a limitation of the language so this is where the proposal comes in uh value and type parameter packs uh, these are basically generics that you can go ahead and and attach to your function attach to your i guess i guess only functions i guess types too um could could certainly work but uh this focuses on functions so i'm not going to spread lies saying it also works with types um <laughs> And it allows you to specify a type pack, meaning like this function will take uh, a bunch of parameters of type T um, and you'll describe this type pack as being each T. Um, So this allows you to go ahead and have in your function repeat each T instead of T dot dot dot. And that means that instead of having the same type seven times in a row, you can have a different T for each of those seven things that you supply. 
or far things or 17 things. It doesn't matter how many. Um, the constraint system will recognize it as like an array of types and it will be able to match that up. The really cool thing is you can have multiple of these. So uh, there's an example here called make pairs where it takes an each first and an each second. Uh, and then the first parameter uh, pack is here are the firsts and the variables first is repeat each first. And then here are the seconds, the variable second, repeat each second. And that basically allows you to go ahead and build up an array of these pairs that are non-homogenous. So the first one, uh, the first pair might be an int and a bull, and the second pair might be a string and a double. And Whoa. it can it can be whatever types you want, so long as you, the user of that API, are consistent with like what you're putting together. Sure. Um, and that's like where it really like shines um, and is super useful. So namely for like tuple equality, we just need to define one equality and we can have uh, each first and each second of the tuple members basically, and then just check them. Um, okay. For Swift UI view builders, we can go ahead and just iterate over uh, each view or each first of type view um or each t of type view however you want to uh yeah. say it um and that will constrain all of them to be view like um implementers impl conformers of view um yeah. but you don't have to like have that wackadoodle copy paste uh 17 times to have enough uh parameters to really describe that that's cool yeah i mean this seems like a way more elegant solution. My first thought for like getting around groups would be like, maybe you could write a macro to just like do that for you. And that's likely what they did, right? They had code gen, like yeah. fill out the details. So that way they don't make mistakes editing it. Right. Yeah. But so. yeah, this, this is cool. Uh, you know, actually having it a part of the language seems like a better idea than just having a macro. So that's super cool. Yeah, definitely go check this one out because it's it's once again been through uh, various different um, iterations. Um, and the latest iteration is to call these value and type parameter packs. Um, and it's definitely going to come up in at WWDC. I can guarantee this one um, because it is deeply needed uh, by, by SwiftUI. Um, so yeah, exciting stuff. The language moves on, ever, ever on and forward. So, uh, what happens if you do use C uh, to to write code? Um, <laughs> it turns out you don't have to find out because Google used Java and still messed up, uh, and that's because we now have something that's very, very so uh, good. well named called Acropolis. Uh, that's so good, dude. Uh, and it, it put the emphasis on crop. Uh, and that's basically because if you have an Android device, uh, and it turns out Windows as well, as, uh, yeah, fun fact. Yeah, I was just going to say. Um, and you go ahead and crop an image, and you share that image, you think you're sharing a cropped version. It turns out you are sharing a cropped version that also has the original data still there. Um, so depending on where you shared it, maybe Discord uh, previous to January-ish, uh, so if you've been using Discord for like, I don't know, six years, 
and yeah. constantly sharing um all your all your originals are just there sitting on a cdn somewhere um so bad so bad uh and so bad. And do you want to know how this snuck in? Well, it's it's a great it's a great uh, uh, it's a great introduction to why you should write good APIs that are fully named with not obscure symbols. Uh, looking at you, Pearl, that probably started this whole problem. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, basically, someone wrote a, a a a an API where you can write to a file. Um, and you have to pass how you want to write to the file. Do you want to read the file right? Do you want to write in truncate? Do you want to write in append? And all of these things are going to be an R, a W, a WT, yep. or a WB if you want to read in binary. Um, that was that was the thing back then when before Unicode was a thing. Um, and yeah, they forgot the T. So therefore, they took the original screenshot they truncated it they wrote to that same file but they did not clip it um and therefore we end up with a big problem because the rest of the file still has the same image data and it turns out to be trivial to to find out i think uh simon aarons who found this out and built a tool to kind of show you the damage that it can cause um like he shows us with a credit card that you oh I, i black out the thing um and meanwhile the whole screenshot says like oh here's your uh credit limit and all that uh it's not just the blacked out portion um yeah it can uncrop hence a crop ellipse uh but yeah like putting anything over it that's so bad dude that's oh man i can't even imagine how many people have done this with android phones and then also it's the Windows one is like the built-in Windows snipping screenshot tool. So, I mean, it's like the default for two major operating systems. So it's going to be a very widespread thing. And the whole thing is like, yeah, if it's been sitting on Discord, people could just run into any Discord that they want and, you know, mass grab screenshots. <laughs> yeah, mass grab all of the screenshots. Generally, the file name says screenshot in it. So they could probably just search by that, download everything, and then run it through some, you know, software that they probably made pretty quick to undo it. Um, and there you go. What, you know, what goodies could they, could a malicious figure have for, yeah. I mean, like credit card information is like probably the worst one I can think of. Social security numbers. Not good. I definitely have like screenshot. Well, no, I don't know if I have screenshots of any cards, but like I have my driver's license on there on my phone. So, but not a not a Android phone and that's the key piece. No yes, I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. If I have it. <clears throat> yeah, I I am going to admit that I have a notes file in my phone that has important documents because that's more convenient than not having it. Um yeah. and like at at us at the end of the day we use technology to be convenient, right? Uh and at this at this point it can it can really bite. And that's a problem with these kinds of uh realizations is i don't think this was widely like used as an attack vector however now that simon has uh made its problem very much visible to everyone uh then it's something that a anyone can now exploit because it's trivially easy to kind of figure it out which is probably why he chose to like 
tell people, hey, yeah, watch out. You bet it's better you know than to stay silent because someone is likely making good use of this. Um, yeah, and as far as I know, I could be wrong here, but you they can't like retroactively do anything unless I guess Discord wants to like grab every file and reprocess it. Yeah, I don't think they'd do that. So, I mean, from now on, it's probably going to be fine. And it, I think I read some somewhere, maybe it was a, a tweet that Google's like already issued an update for the the effective phones and stuff. But yeah, it's I mean, a one character fix, right? It's not a big burden yeah. on them. But but I mean, you've already got a ton of uh, media that's already out there. So that's yeah. that's the big bummer. Yeah, and I'm not saying iOS is like the best example here because ios for a very long time has had a very similar problem where people would go up to the markup thing grab the black uh marker and kind of scribble but the black marker was set to 0.95 percent opacity uh so that means it never truly erased no matter how many times you kind of went back and forth on something um and that was later fixed to kind of uh warn people and say hey don't use this to to block out details or don't use a pixelated thing that actually just blurs like hey you can unblur text pretty easily because turns out there are only 26 letters or like so to deal with um and it's very easy to figure out how each of those blur um and then to like pattern match uh so like don't if you ever want to hide information just delete the information um and make sure that you are um like truly using a copy um, yeah. I always wonder this, like with social media networks, like, hey, when you share a photo, are they going to share the GPS coordinates that are in the photo? Most of them will not, but some of them might because they're not going to yeah. think about like preventing that specific situation, right? Yeah, I use um, Darkroom mm-hmm. um, for like, especially freaking Slack. Every time I upload a photo, Dimitri's probably seen me do it. It's like a 95 megabyte raw photo and Slack just doesn't want to process it. So I run it through Darkroom and, and, you know, make it into a JPEG and stuff. But along with that, it will remove the location metadata. So I'm just like, anytime that I'm actually going to share anything to, like, anyone other than, like, my family or something, I don't really care in our Slack. But, you know, Twitter or or Mastodon or whatever, I'll definitely run it through, like, Darkroom or something that will remove that. Because I'm like, yeah, you never know. Uh, Or maybe it's not shown, but if they download the photo, then... You know, if it's not a copy, then they could maybe get that. I don't know how that works, but definitely better than, you know, to be safe than sorry. It's okay. I already know where Spencer lives. It's the United <gasps> States. Oh, no! <laughs> On Earth. <laughs> For now. The only habitable planet in our solar system. <laughs> You've really narrowed it down, my friend. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, long story short, um, be careful when you share stuff on the internet because turns out uh, even stuff, we, we thought we were doing everything right. It's like, oh yeah, I blacked it out. I cropped it. Um, I did all the steps. Like yeah. sometimes that's not enough, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so. the cropping especially is what gets me. Like like you said, delete your data and you're like, oh yeah, a crop is a deletion of my data. Generally, just not yeah. in these cases. So, bummer. I, ge- I guess... Uh, the the better out like thing to learn from this is don't use these APIs that truncate or to like write a file in place. Write a new file yeah, and definitely. delete the old one and move 
move the file once you're done. That is much a much safer operation, especially if you perhaps grew up in a world where computers can suddenly turn off on you, um, because <laughs> then you don't lose the old file, which is A+. plus. Um, yeah, that's less common with phones, but phones run out of battery, and that's kind of the same uh, thing yeah. that can happen, so... Um, that's, that's like one of the reasons why if you're recording a video with your phone and you run out of battery, that video survives. And that's because it is built up piecemeal rather than like replacing, um, what's there. So, uh, do consider that when you're writing software, like what can happen in the disaster situation when I am not finished writing this entire file, make sure that it is recoverable in some way and think about that for your user's sake. Right. Um, yeah. And in this case, don't. Don't write in place. That's usually a bad idea. Lesson learned. Yeah. Um, a lesson that Apple is learning is that maybe we don't need two volume buttons. Maybe we only or need maybe one. we don't need buttons at all. <sighs> interesting. Very interesting. Uh, CAD leaks uh, report that the volume buttons are going to have sort of a single unified volume button. Um that is sort of based on haptics to know where you where you pushed and my thought when i read this headline i and i hadn't looked at the photo i just thought oh if it's just like some sort of flat sensor kind of like the um i think it's the antenna on the other side like the little 5g antenna that almost looks like a sim slot mm-hmm. if it was flat like that i'd be like okay cool um but if it's a, a single button it feels like halfway there and i was like oh i just rather have it go all the way and not even have it be a physical button but that's just me i forgot the phones had that i just assumed that was the battery charge the apple pencil charger on ipads but maybe that is the 5g thing on ipads as well i don't it's definitely (laughs) not an ipad or an apple pencil charger well yeah i never look at the side of my phone it's always in a case i i completely forgot that thing was there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that's what it is, but I, I'm, I'm assuming it's some kind of antenna. It would have to be on, yeah, because the 5G antennas are these big blocky things that mm-hmm. are like on the inside of the phone, or at right. least they were, so I'm, I'm assuming that's yeah. still the case. Yeah, but also, instead of having a physical kind of switch uh, for the mutant button, you now actually press the button, which I was trying to think about this because I've definitely had times where like, my phone is 100% of the time on, on mute. Um, mm-hmm. But there are times when if it's in my pocket and I move around, it'll get unflipped to to not be on silent. So I think, uh, what was it saying? Like you'd have to force press it to put it into silent mode. I don't know if that's going to make my problem better or worse. I can't really tell. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean... If I can press it when it's asleep and it still registers, like, I want to take it out of silent mode, it's probably not great. I don't know. Yeah, I think silent mode is a very weird, like, antique feature of phones. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. Like, it's one of those things that, oh, a phone might be disruptive to others, so we want the ability to, in our pocket, make it silent, right? Yeah. Um, to prevent it from from bothering others. That said, I think the iPhone was kind of one of the only phones that had an actual ringer switch, right? Yeah. Like, otherwise, so. you would have to open up the phone and, like, twiddle with some settings. So, 
like maybe it's time for it to kind of go especially yep. now that most people either have a preference it's either on or off like yeah my maybe parents you... always have it on yeah it's it's That's it's fine. not like a like a thing that you go and change every day right that's mm-hmm. what yeah. they were thinking of when they put it there. It's like, oh, in just, the morning you would turn it on and the night you would turn it off kind of thing. Um, yeah, just put it as like in the, uh, I, I always forget what it's called. Control center. Control center mm-hmm. right by the focus modes or make it a part of focus modes. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Well, either way. Yeah, it could definitely just be in UI and that's it and that would be fine. Do you know what they could repurpose it as? A rotation lock. Kind of like what they did on the iPad, which was super, super useful to have a little, oh, oh, a yes. little tiny switch to like say, nice. hey, I want it to rotate. I don't want it to rotate. Because That's do you know true. what's something I do turn on constantly? The freaking rotation settings. That's true. Um, and yeah. I would use that Good way point. more than a ringer. Um, but yeah. Apple doesn't believe in that because they removed that from iPads. Uh, the, the device that you would do that even more on, ostensibly, uh, so... Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Good point, man. I mean, YouTube has it right where you can just like swipe up on the video and it rotates itself, but not every player does that. So that's like the only time that I use landscape mode is like to watch videos. So, yeah. Yeah, on the iPad, I use rotation lock constantly because... Oh, yeah. Like I will be watching something and then I go on my side while I'm lying down and I don't mm-hmm. want the thing to rotate at that point in time. But other yeah. times I'm standing up and going around and I rotate my iPad and it's like it's not rotating and then I go in and swiddle like fiddle with the switch and same with the phone basically. It depends like how you're using it. It's like, oh yeah, when I'm standing up I want it to rotate, but when I'm lying down I don't. And it's like a lot of steps to then turn that off going to the control center. So um I guess keep it and give us the option. Maybe there already is the option and we don't know about it. Um That'd be a yeah. good accessibility setting to change that. Yeah, watch yeah. this whole time it has existed for years, <laughs> and we're just like, yeah, would be nice. Ignorant. <laughs> what ignorance, if we could? Oh, ignorance is bliss, uh, or in this case, yeah. ignorance is torture, little by little, yeah. <laughs> death by a thousand yeah, cuts. Yeah, for real. Wow. Well. Um, but yeah, it's not the first time Apple has like replaced buttons with fake buttons. Yeah, the, the iPhone seven, I think it was, replaced the home <laughs> button with a fake home button. Um. Yep. The laptops famously uh, don't have real buttons anymore uh, for the trackpads. Um, oh, yeah. And it's very it's weird. It's so good. When the computer is off and you can't click it anymore. It's like yeah. it's like a piece of metal that, like, the, 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 the palm rests. It just does not move unless the computer has power. And it's such a bizarre thing. Um, well, that's the thing though. It works so well that you yeah. don't even realize, like you would never know. That's the, that was the best thing about when I got my, when I upgraded to my 2015 MacBook Pro, cause that was the first one that had the, whatever, hat force touch 3D, whatever they called it. So good. And you could click anywhere and it was just like, yes, I will register. You didn't have to click at the bottom, but you're not clicking. Yeah. You're just I, well, like pushing, I know, but, but it feels just, like a click. It it's, feels it's like it. so it's magical. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're so. they're Apple's trackpads are just so good, dude. They're just excellent. Yeah. The only time I felt something like truly similar to that was when the Wii U, not the Wii U, the Nintendo Switch just came out. And you know, do you remember 1 2 Switch? That that like really wacky I never game played that it. It's actually pretty good. 
Um, okay. And and the little game where you guess how many balls are in the box as you roll oh, it around okay. feels like there are little balls in the box that are you are rolling around. Oh. Like it's legitimately uncanny how well that works. Nice. Um, and it's using the exact same technology to give you an idea yep. of like what's going on here. So like we can definitely trick our brains into thinking that we're pressing buttons whether it's on the front or the sides it's a little sad we don't have 3d touch anymore um on the screen because like it worked well uh and long presses it feel it feels like a gimmick at that point whereas before it felt like you were actually pressing on something um so i'm glad the haptic engine is still in there though that's why my the iPhone 6s will like forever be one of my favorite iPhones because it was just so good. That was the first one that had forced 3D touch and it was just like absolutely magical. When did they get rid of that? After the 10? Was it like the 11 that they something like that? I can't remember. Yeah. It, it, I think the 10s might have maybe been the last one. Maybe. Yeah. Sad times. Yeah. Bad. I don't even know if it's like supported in iOS now, even if you did have that phone. Yeah, I don't know. If, yeah. They, they've uh, likely disabled it, which is yeah. very that important. sucks, dude. Uh, speaking of iOS, we've got a new release of iOS 16.4. There's a bunch of new stuff here. Uh, I literally, I didn't know about it until I saw the notes, and so... My phone just finished updating a few minutes ago, so I haven't played around with it. But uh, Dimitri's got a gnarly long list of uh, things. And I want to mention something. I noticed as I was updating my phone in the update notes, I think the uh, the like priority of what they put first was kind of funny. It says, this update introduces, and as the number one thing, the first thing, 21 new emoji. Woo! Only 21? Uh, <laughs> Like, emoji above everything else. Okay. That's the reason uh, why people update. We know. I guess. I guess. Hey, I, I updated for Melty Face. That, that one I Mel- was ready for. <laughs> oh, Melty Face is so good, dude. I love it. And the, well, Upside Down has been classic, too. But mm-hmm. We've had that for a while. So, we've got a uh, new HomeKit Matter architecture change. Don't know anything about that. So that actually shipped and broke a bunch of people's setups, so they like oh, rolled no. it back. So it oh. is back. I don't know if it's fixing anything. Um, maybe it will fix my HomeKit problems. I doubt it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have fun giving that a try later this weekend, probably, because I don't trust myself to do that midweek, especially yeah. after I just restarted everything. HomeKit. Um, <laughs> Curse you. Get off my lawn. Um, I don't have a lawn. Uh, 5G standalone is now a thing. And if you were not keeping up, uh, you need T-Mobile for this. And it will give you 3.3 gigabits per second downloads. Holy crap. Uh, which is a whole lot of bits. Um, I don't know why you would ever use this on a phone. Uh, but it is available yeah. on a phone uh, only. Uh, which is hilarious. Um, and on T-Mobile all of all networks yeah well you know what's interesting i mean it's probably only with like millimeter wave and everything but um i know dimitri you were looking at like a, I forget what it's called but something from ubiquity that was like a 4g yeah an lt backup backup network like 
you could legitimately have a 5G version of that and like have no difference in the in the speed of like your home internet. If anything, it like might be better, and that's crazy to have. Depends on how many cell phone wireless. users are in your area, I guess. Which that's true. That part would suck. That said, your antenna that's connected to your home network is probably a whole lot stronger than uh, the antenna of some rando's phone driving by. So yeah probably better especially if it's mounted outside consistent like you you dial it in um Mm -hmm. and to be honest when i got cable installed three four years ago uh now uh that's what the tech told me is like hey it's only a matter of time before instead of coming out to your house to like run cable we're just going to install a 5g modem somewhere inconvenient and you're probably not going to get a great signal but we don't care because that work is done um and that's just the way it's gonna be um which is a little bit unfortunate uh but until then you get 3.3 gigahertz on your t-mobile iphone which is fun yeah like what what are you realistically gonna fill your phone storage up with like downloading to fill up your 64 gigabytes of storage (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh yeah Oh, those are those are dark days. Don't and your and your five gigabytes of uh, iCloud's free tier storage. Oh, yeah, no. There's a uh, new beta switch uh, yeah. that we talked about. So if you want to sign up for betas now, you need to have a developer's account, um, or you can sign up for the public betas. Um, at which point, you don't have to install anything on your phone. It's just going to show up because you're signed in with that account. Um, so that's that's cool i think yeah they did all the things right or at least i didn't hear about the things that they could have done wrong uh so we will see in a week's time if if that is inconveniencing anyone um yeah i think it's better than you know downloading a profile restarting Mm -hmm. your phone and stuff like it's not a big deal and i don't really ever do it anymore but it was kind of a hassle so do you know what i needed to install a profile for recently it's not HomeKit because I had to install profile to reset HomeKit. That's a separate thing. But I had to install a profile to turn off private logging on my Mac to find out why I couldn't do file sharing. Um, oh. Yes. Uh, do you remember we had that whole discussion last week? Yeah. So it turns out that if you want to see what's being logged and in console, you can. It's just going to show you private for anything that could potentially be hazardous to share out um sure this is in general a good thing uh yeah. but the only way to disable that is to install a profile now thankfully you can write this profile yourself it's not something like signed by apple um and it tells you you're installing an unsigned profile yada yada yeah yeah but that will disable the private thing which i found very useful for debugging that because it would tell me exactly what's going wrong instead of private right. was trying to access private and i'm like I don't know who private is and I don't know what they're trying to access. It didn't make yeah. any sense. Um, so yeah, I forgot what ended up being the, the solution to uh, that fiasco. Uh, don't trust migration assistant. It didn't help. Uh, but also don't set custom icons. Ask me how I know, but don't ask me how I know because that's going to be fixed. And we're going to talk about that. Um, yeah. I didn't update that machine yet, but I will because I want custom icons back anyways. Uh, yeah. Profiles. Fun. Yeah. Glad we don't have to do that anymore for betas. Yeah, I fear for um, my future phones actually, because when Dub Dub rolls around, it's gonna be very easy to download the beta now. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess there was a little bit of a barrier to entry 
maybe that was a good thing in some ways. Uh, but you know what's maybe not good? I don't know. Is uh, iOS 16.4 is now allowing health authorities to end the support for the uh, exposure exposure notifications feature of that one thing. Uh, so this is interesting. Uh, I think probably a net negative. Uh, but it's sort of like we're now, they're now letting, uh, you know, health authorities off the hook. So it says like they'll get, uh, let's see the, yeah. So when a health authority decides to end the support for the, for this feature, uh, users will see a message informing them of that decision. Uh, so, you know, it'll say, Hey, your health authorities turned off exposure notifications. Uh, this iPhone's no longer, uh, logging nearby devices and stuff so i guess uh, it's better than the health authority just like not updating their excel spreadsheet anymore uh sure. that powered the whole thing right do you remember yeah. when that was a thing there was like one excel spreadsheet that was like m- managing covid tracking throughout the world and then that i didn't know that, that. spreadsheet got too big at a certain point <laughs> that just like <laughs> caused chaos that was I didn't know that. That's yeah. crazy. Uh turns out researchers use Excel as a as a as a Ooh. as a great uh computation let's, uh, device. Let's introduce them to something better, maybe Postgres or something? I don't know. No, Excel's fine. My ah. my my boss from a long time ago uh programmed a whole bunch of stuff in Excel. Uh it ran very poorly. Uh, it turns out you can get it, image processing to happen much faster on a GPU. Who'd have thunk? Um, That's crazy. Yeah, crazy. But <laughs> yeah, I guess it's it's better to know than to not to know. So I guess sure. this is good. Um, we kind of all see the seen the writing on the wall at this point that COVID is over, um, and yeah. you should not at all worry at all. Um, no. But if you need to, like, definitely still wear masks. I see plenty of people still wearing masks, and I yep. think. I personally always wear a mask whenever I go out, um, and I find it comforting that it's now more, like, it, it's more accepted than it certainly it's was before. Definitely, definitely for sure. I would always, even, I don't know, maybe it's just because of where I live, but, like, I would see, um, you know, videos of people in, like, Japan or something walking down the street in a mask, and I thought that was just such an odd thing. I was just... I hadn't been exposed to the idea of, like that being a normal thing outside of like a hospital. It was only SARS that caused them to <laughs> to 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 do that, right? Not, SARS yeah. SARS two didn't didn't do as good of a job, but SARS one yeah. really scared the populace. It was um. a hit. <laughs> um, I I'm wondering though, like I'm sure they'll keep this API around, mm-hmm. uh, so. I'm assuming that if there is another pandemic or something, it would probably be easier to, you know, get this going again. But it seems like uh, for now, it's sort of like, whatever. I give us four years. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, Voice isolation is now available for cellular calls. I don't know why it wasn't available up until now. Agreed. I figured it was. um, It's available. Maybe cellular calls were like so bad quality that it didn't need it. Uh, like it would just <laughs> you just not hear anything anyways um so now you can you can allow people to hear you better uh if you need to i thought like it did active noise cancellation already but maybe this is just thought... you can control it now mm. yeah i don't know that's weird i 
yeah, I thought that we've been doing that since like the iPhone six or something on the, with that rear microphone, but okay. Do you know what we have been doing since the iPhone six notifications, uh, and notification center and adding to those notifications are web apps now. (laughs) Uh, so you have yet another thing to say you're not interested in. Um, and yeah, that's a thing. you know, as if, and I've talked about this before, as if freaking web pages on mobile are not already cluttered enough with uh, GDPR and ads and stuff, you'll just have another thing. It's like literally you will not be able to see anything until you dismiss four things on a website. I hate the web, dude. It's the worst. But <sighs> yeah, uh, I, I guess the folks at Google really thought it was great that every website kind of bombards you on every like browser that you use to like accept notifications because they're interested in sharing notifications with you. Um, and that's what we got now because that's a good thing. Um, yep. I kind of like the web better without it, but it's, yep. it's here to stay notifications. Yep. I have yep. not go away. 114,832 unread emails clogging yes, up my notifications. Did so, we did it. Reddit, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, uh, that's how often I will see your notifications websites who make use of this. I am sorry. I am not your target marketing audience. Oh, yeah. well. You know what is actually legitimately good, though, is a duplicates album in photos that sh- finds shared duplicates. Holy crap, that's such a good thing to actually have. Um, I've used, like, Gemini in the past and stuff, but, like, it's a pain to throw everything in there and just having every, like, photos, it's already connected to iCloud, just being able to say, like, hey, you've got duplicates? That's so good. I'm so excited. So this is when I blow your mind. Apparently, this has always been in here for non-shared libraries. What? Uh, I didn't know about this either, uh, but this adds Whoa. the ability for it to work in shared libraries. Uh, oh so my! If you share okay. your library with someone, and now you have duplicates because you shared your library with someone, oh. uh, now that will catch those duplicates as well as the duplicates you already had. Okay. Well, uh, I, I, honestly, this is like making me feel like: Are we even qualified to talk about <laughs> this stuff? We don't even know what's going on in iOS. Hey, I'm a professional <laughs> in settings now. Or uh, at least the the four bullet items that I went through fourteen thousand uh, times to get up, get sharing. All working. right, all right. Um, but yeah, yeah. And then it's a bunch of smaller fixes, right? Um, and yep. I say smaller, but it's smaller for us, but not for others. Uh, yep. namely, uh, the maps and the weather app, which have been super useful, are now accessible to more people via voiceover. Um. There is an accessibility setting to automatically dim video when flashes of light or strobe effects are detected. Um, and this That's is cool. great for uh, people who want to rewatch that episode of Pokemon uh, that just <laughs> that that kind of made evident that epilepsy can be prevalent yeah. in any age group. Anyway, um, yeah. So jokes aside, I think this is an excellent thing to add. Um, yeah. And uh, people who have had strokes like flashing lights do bother them and if you have an option to decrease that like that helps them and many other people uh it turns out this is also something that i added to apple tv uh so you can go Mm -hmm. ahead and turn this off on the tv itself so unless the tv has a really good use to put hdr and crank it to the max it doesn't (laughs) need to do that 10 times a second 
Um, and this will kind of uh, manage that. Um, I have not given it a try on the TV, um, so I will I will be curious to see how well it works. Uh, but any improvement is better than what's currently there. Um, so uh, I'm sure a lot of people are rejoicing they'll finally be able to watch stuff that has been marked with warning flashes of light. Yeah. Um, though, yeah. ask someone else to kind of preview it for you. Um, I would not trust the availability of this feature uh, to make everything safe, right? Yep, definitely. Uh, speaking of safety, uh, crash detection got optimizations on the iPhone 14 and 14 Pro. That's good because uh, I think they're, if I, my assumption is this was per, perhaps spurred on by people like, uh skiing and like getting in crashes <laughs> with skiing and their phone being like did you get in a car crash and it's like no dude <laughs> there's a reason this so, is coming out after the winter season and that's because the winter yeah. season provided a lot of data <laughs> good data yeah yeah so that's good i remember them saying like they tested on like something like a million hours of uh driving or something but no one tested didn't take into account skiing <laughs> so that's the moguls gotta get the edge it. the dang edge cases man they got they got they get even at apple so yeah yeah so, uh and then if you have children ask to buy will not fail as much as it did um and if you have a matter compatible thermostat that will not become in, uh, unresponsive anymore so um Ooh. yeah all around good updates glad to have ios 16.4 available um yes. and glad to have a new version of xcode available which we'll probably talk about uh next time. i don't know if it became available i just saw like there's an rc2 for it um so there. maybe it's not available yet um but something that is available is mac os ventura 13.3 and yeah. this fixes the most important thing, and the only reason I know that it fixes the most <laughs> important thing is because there's a wonderful website called the Eclectic Light Company uh, yeah. that goes into exquisite detail into every change that happens with every macOS update. Namely, yeah. they will go and diff the kex, so that way you know like what actually changed, what libraries got updated. What like yep. We don't know what about them changed, but we know some change happened. Um, and notably... Uh, beta testers uh, were pleased to report that this update fixes the bug where you cannot connect to SMB shares with custom icons, um, which is something that I wasted a crap load of hours uh, <laughs> on top of because, uh, long story short, listen to last week's episode, but I updated a Mac Mini to another Mac Mini and in the process ended up with a new version of Mac OS Ventura. And in the process was unable to share everything, anything, and I ripped my hair out yeah. as I learned how uh, shares are stored. It's not anything sensible. It's in a directory, um, whatever it's called, uh, the thing that users are like the the internal database that uh, manages like everything on your computer. That's where file sharing is stored. Why is it shared in there? I don't know. Anytime you share yeah. something in file sharing, there's three ways to do it. And they do three different things to directory something or whatever it's called. Um, I know that because if you add it through the system preferences, it creates a new group that is hidden from all UIs. That's called sharing group number N, um, where N is however many times you did this. So you can end up with 15,000 of these if you nice. do things over and over again. Uh, if you go to Finder and you click the little share this, 
uh, checkbox, that one does it a slightly different way. And if you go to uh, sharing, which is a, a command line command to do this same thing, uh, it will not create that thing. And I'm very happy because I deleted all those as I tore my hair out trying to figure this out. And I finally realized it's because of custom icons. Uh, so that is finally fixed. Uh, thank you, Apple. Um, I'm glad I learned all that, but I would have loved to learn it under different circumstances. Uh, yes. That is where I'll leave it. That's fair. Uh, we get a new app for displaying, uh, calibrating pro displays um, using like actual calibration tools. I'm sure those, I've never used one, but I'm sure those calibration tools had their own apps that went along yeah, with for them, Windows. So I don't... <laughs> that made it really oh. easy to calibrate stuff. <laughs> mm, I see. I see the problem now. Gotcha. Yep. yep that would do it. So uh, Apple finally so there must stepped be, up and did it. You probably know more about this. I'm sure there's some standard. No. Uh, Sweet. A... <laughs> awesome. Yep. Love it. Uh, Apple Good. has a standard. standard Windows anyway. has a standard. Um, uh, everything is kind of a LUT behind the scenes. Uh, Ooh, and fun. color is perceptual. Um, yes. That's that's all I can say. It, it's, cool. it's, it's really complicated. Um, I'm glad we finally have something... Um, I'm glad I'm no longer doing that kind of development because it was its yeah. own special kind of hell. Notice the lack yep. of this TV um, that I no longer have to oh. deal with. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, that that is uh, something that I'm sure a lot of people in the film industry are welcoming with open arms. Um, and I will kind of... Uh, keep an eye out for how well this does, um, and mm. I guess I can launch it on on the Pro Display XDR. So uh, see what the software looks like. Apparently, you need a Pro Display to kind of pair with it. Um, sure. I do not have a spectrometer; those cost a lot of money. Um, yeah. There is a different kind of technology, like the little puck that you put. That is not a spectrometer. Mm-hmm. That is a uh, I for colorimeter. Um, I think it's called. Basically, it just has a red, a blue, and a green pixel, and it measures the intensity. A spectrometer does the much cooler thing, and it actually has a prism inside of it, and it will graph the wavelengths of light that it receives. Oh, wow. You can tell what kind of red are you receiving, and you can calibrate it accordingly. So, um, gotcha. Very different kind of tool, very different way of calibrating them. Uh, this piece of software seems like it will be able to read values and construct a calibration um LUT uh so that way you can properly display stuff on your screen without like the shadows disappearing i'm sure everyone has seen that on like older laptop screens all of a sudden none of the windows have shadows anymore and all the whites and grays are kind of muddied and that's because the calibration over time falls apart because the display changes over time um with heat and with temperature and stuff like that um so yeah very welcome and then we have nice. the usual uh, set of changes uh, that are more or less duplicated from iOS, yeah. namely new emoji. Um, there's a remove background option in Freeform. Um, if you have used Freeform, um, I have yet to use it past the one Same. occasion when it came out. Um, yep. It seems really cool, though, and I would like to use it one day. Uh, so I will check back when I eventually do use it and probably have a lot of angst uh, because that seems like... <laughs> The thing that I like to build up in my 30s. Um, <laughs> the Photos Duplicate album thing exists. Uh, there's transliteration support for uh, I Am Very Sorry. 
Gujarati, uh, Punjabi, and Urdu keyboards. Uh, there are new keyboard layouts for, and I am sorry once again, Choctaw, uh, Chickasaw, Akan, Hausa, and Yoruba uh, language layouts. Um, there are access- There's an accessibility setting to dim the video once again. Uh, voiceover yep. for maps and the weather app because weather is now a catalyst app that is shared, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, there was an issue with trackpad gestures. I never ran into that one. Uh, the ask to buy thing is fixed. Um, and then there was also an issue where voiceover was unresponsive after using the finder, which seems like a very common thing that you might do on a computer. Um, and that is also fixed. Uh, so thank you, Apple for fix potential, maybe fixing the one thing that I had a lot of problems with and not actually listing it out. Um, so I don't know if the icon thing actually got fixed. Um, so I'm about to uh, add custom icons like an idiot uh, after updating and yep. maybe break everything again. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we will see. Yeah, we'll but see. I yep. am a reproducible idiot that may or may not have dementia coming. Uh, so uh, that Time is... Time machine that. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's something that I will do for for science. Yay, science. All right. WatchOS 9.4. Um, we've got, um, wake up alarms no longer are silenced with the cover to mute gesture, uh, to avoid accidental cancellations during sleep. Probably a good one. I actually uh, use that a lot, namely oh, no. to sleep more. Um, so this yeah, is probably great to get me to wake up because I would be like, no, shut up. Um, I, I want to sleep more. <laughs> um, fair. So yeah, I guess thank you Apple for helping me actually wake up in the morning. But I I thought that was a neat that was a neat um like solution. Yeah, makes sense. If you didn't know, you can ask Siri to turn off other people's alarms and I don't think this is widely known, but if you are in a room with someone else's alarm is going off and they are dead asleep, you can ask Siri to turn off nearby alarms. Um, and like the home pod will go ahead and turn off the oh, alarm on someone else's iPhone, which is that's cool. Like cherry on top of the cake, chef's kiss. Uh, thank you, Apple for including that. Um, I don't know why they don't like talk about it more, but here that's, I am yeah. talking about it because people need to know this stuff. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. I like that. Um, we've also got cycle tracking with retrospective ovulation estimates and cycle deviation alerts are now supported in Moldova and Ukraine. Cool. Uh, and AFib history now available in Colombia, Malaysia, Moldova, Thailand, and Ukraine. So more features, more places. That's always good. Yeah. And it's basically working with those countries to, um, yeah. accredit like their solution and make sure that, uh, or, assure those countries that apple is not just like coming out with like snake oil um sure which is what they want to respectively protect their citizens from because who knows where what the u.s is one day going to decide is legitimate and that they don't necessarily want to just follow through with right yep yep for sure uh the only update that we have for tvos 16.4 is the dim flashing lights lights feature that we've talked about for iOS and macOS. So that's, I mean, for, for TVOS, that's huge because big TV, big flashing lights. Yep. Um, and that leaves us with iOS 17, right? That's the next big release. Usually we don't have another point release with significant features after the 0.4 version or the 0.3 mm-hmm. for macOS. Um, and, 
apparently iOS 17 is intended to be a bug re- a bug fix release. Um, yep. I hope that means it's a bug fix fix release for macOS as well. Um, I don't know if that is guaranteed to be the case, uh, or we might just get no release of mention, like the numbered updated, but nothing actually got changed, sure. uh, which is always a sad prospect to think about for macOS. Um, but I'm hoping they improve things because, uh, oh boy, Ventura has been special in my heart um, for all <laughs> sorts of reasons. Like this has definitely been one of the macOS releases I have had to restart the most with really yeah interesting i have not but uh big sur was particularly bad for me for some reason yeah i feel like recently someone has had an issue with some release um, and they have not been uh like universally stable and yeah restarting is not the end of the world um it's annoying when you have to restart several services manually i'm looking at you Mm -hmm. docker uh to get everything like up and going again Uh, web development i mean it's it's wonderful um so yeah uh a little less of that would be very welcome um but uh yeah mostly i'm looking for a more stable mac os i would say rather than a more stable ios ios has been fine um maybe i don't use it professionally enough uh, and i use the the hell out of mac os and that's why i find all these issues I don't know. Um, but yeah, I would like to, to be able to trust my devices. Yeah, I'm always in favor of, of something like this. And again, I I know that I've talked about this on, on the show before, and I always forget which version it is. But like, it's like iOS 12 or something that was like a bug fix release of iOS. And it was great. It, it was awesome. I, I really enjoyed that. So uh, having something like, yeah, like for, like you said, iOS has been fine for me. I don't, you know, it's pretty, I use Slack and youtube and that's pretty much it uh but definitely for mac os if it would if it has its turn and doesn't move so fast and like changing the ui all the time and changing freaking system preferences that's my biggest gripe right now with ventura i hate system settings dude it sucks it's a hot uh, uh, garbage i don't know why they had to change what it's been since like mac os 10 dot whatever like very early mac os dot 10 or maybe it's always been there i don't know longer than i've been using mac os uh yeah it was such a good app i really like system preferences so i memorized where every preference was i was able to exactly. help anyone now i have no clue what's going on anywhere. i know dude um but it didn't have to go ios style it really didn't man but now there's search that doesn't work as well so thank you that said, uh, you may soon be able to uh, converse with the dead system preferences, uh, and I'm only have to, I'm joking with that. But uh, John Mayer, uh, who I actually know, so this is not like a random person on Twitter, um, was able to put something very interesting together using ChatGPT. Uh, no, sorry, GPT four um, and Whisper. Um, so to give you some background, Whisper is a neural network that's able to mimic. Uh, speech uh, from other people like you can train it on someone else's uh, sound bites and it will be able to speak like them Uh, gpt4 is able to do the same but for conversation it's not made for that but it basically mimics humans talking um by kind of it's a storyteller having read every like piece of human literature that's on the internet uh it's able to kind of play the part as a human um 
reasonably well without actually having any knowledge. And that's quite surprising. I didn't think we would get that before we would get like self-actualizing uh like intelligences but we have it yeah. and i think it's like this is a great time to stop honestly <laughs> like i don't think we need to go further um yeah like we we got what we needed out of ai we don't need to have a more intelligent ai let's skip skynet please um yeah. like everyone thought this kind of ai would be impossible unless we also oh. had skynet yeah but like we have this and it's not skynet let's let's stick to it um so uh yeah what did john mayer do so he went ahead um and trained whisper on steve jobs uh and then he had chat gbt play the role of steve jobs and he had whisper read what chat gpt not chat gpt sorry i keep saying that it's gpt4 um what gpt4 was responding with so you could essentially talk with steve jobs and actually get Steve Jobs talking back to you. Um, and the reason he did this is because he lost his dad like at a very young age. Um, or much too early. Not necessarily a young age, I misspoke. But uh, much too early. Um, and he wants to be able to eventually like talk with him once again. Um, and yeah. he knows it's not going to be the same thing and all that. Uh, but just hearing the voice of someone you cherish talking about the things that you would talk about with them. Like oftentimes that's enough when you need some, uh, some connection there. Um, And like from that point of view, it's very interesting that something like this has become available. Right. Um, Can this be abused? Yes. Will it be abused? Most definitely. Uh, But for the legitimate use cases, I think this is, something that can be wonderful for people um so definitely looking forward to see how this is not like turned into a money-making thing and instead turned into a thing that can help people uh because it most definitely can help a lot of people yeah um you should definitely check out this tweet that we'll link it is like incredible how i mean it's, it's gpt4 right so it can it's not just trained on things from 2020 back but it, it can i think search the web maybe no uh, you can tell it to like how can i uh find out more information by searching google and it will give you search queries that you can then uh, put in google and do stuff with but okay that is not what it's capable of currently doing okay in in this case like he asks it's in in a sort of a text it, it almost looks like facebook facebook messenger maybe it is i don't know but it says, tell me about the biggest global event that occurred in 2020. Thinks for a couple seconds and gives a sound, uh, an audio uh, thing that you can play in the in the message. The voice is shockingly believable. Like you've I, you've probably heard you, the viewer, not Dimitri, uh, have probably heard, um, you know, AI generated voice. And you can kind of tell that, like, it's it's a little tinny and it doesn't quite sound right. It was pretty convincing. This is definitely the best example of AI-generated voice that I've personally heard. Um, so, it you know, the, the technology was very impressive to combine these two things and turn it into a, functionally a, you know, independently sort of speaking thing, being. I don't know what to call it, but it's very impressive. Yeah, it's it's not, once again... GPT-4 is not 
actually intelligent. It is not yeah. uh, doing anything uh, unique. It is pantomiming every human that has ever uh, written up to until now. Um, and that's an important distinction. Uh, much like Dolly is uh, using other people's art, GPT uses what other people have said. Um, right. So, yes, it might seem like it is coming up with new thoughts, but it is not coming up with new thoughts in the same way that humans are capable of doing. Um, sure. So, like, it is very reasonably useful at for today, but I can see, like, if we push this technology further, it's going to be used as a way of replacing humans, and I don't think that's going to be useful because the only people who are going to get away with replacing humans are big corporations that no longer want to hire people. Um, yep. That's what's going to happen. And once you are a giant corporation with three people at the top that uh, can just Make farm money. money out of yeah. like real humans, uh, then I think we've missed the point of uh, building a society. Um, yeah. it, that's kind of what happens with capitalism. I'm not going to lie. If you look at uh, Amazon, you have a very few amount of people at the top who have essentially farmed money from uh, not... So, like, there, there's a nuance here. They didn't farm money from the people who purchased Amazon goods. They farmed money from the people they did not pay uh, to deliver those Amazon goods. Uh, so uh, that is going to be something that is just going to become more widespread as uh, robots and now uh, close enough AIs are going to be more and more, like, available. Uh, so that's, I guess... The warning to anyone who is thinking about this stuff like make use of it it's going to be useful learn to adapt to a world where this is going to be available um i once thought that hey programming is a unique and hard enough thing that like yeah. no one is gonna be able to really replace me but i wasn't thinking hard enough uh in terms of like what could be used to replace me yeah sure it might not be uh, other more inexperienced humans, uh, but it most definitely can be a AI that's been trained on every piece of code that's Wild ever code. come out, um, and that could most definitely do the kind of job that I uh, do on a daily basis. Um, and it could probably do just as, as bad as a job, right? Like, <laughs> no one's going to notice though oh, yeah. because there's going to be no more humans involved in the process. It's going to be code reviewing. Uh, itself so oh, that's weird yeah uh thank you github for putting that out into the world um but yeah this is this is the world we are kind of putting ourselves into um or not that we're putting ourselves into but that we ha now have to contend with um is probably yep. a better way of putting it uh so um yeah i guess help Wait. us become independent <laughs> as i as yeah. i uh uh, segue into our sponsor uh but no joking aside like i really don't know how to contend with with this yep, going I forward know. because guess what someone has already done the the podcast thing done by ai uh between joe rogan and steve jobs and yeah it was a little wackadoodle but it's not going to be wackadoodle in two years time once uh things are yeah. a little better and maybe that will be more interesting than listening to us so who knows this week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Weekly Swift Exercises. 
Learning Swift, there's no substitute for practicing. There's dozens, literally dozens of people Fernando's mentored through different programs, and he's seen it time and time again. After you learn the basics of programming, you slow down because learning through experience is demanding and painful. Increasing your confidence is key, and there's an easy way to do it, practice. Fernando's weekly exercises help you practice concepts like closures and protocols while implementing actual features like dark mode. It's free to join. Besides exercises, Fernando sends one or two articles about learning Swift. Some are technical in nature, but most of them will help you in your career by teaching you things like best practices, working as a team, and getting ready for your first job. Thanks again to Fernando and Weekly Swift Exercises for sponsoring Code Completion. Go to twitter.com slash swift exercises today to learn more. So Spencer, I've got a Code Completion uh, tip for you. Uh, And this one was actually inspired by Fernando. Uh, because he asked a question on our internal little Slack thing imagic. Uh, so uh, whenever you implement, uh, so this is kind of a Swift specific problem, uh, but whenever you implement uh, delegates and other things on your view controller, you have to be very careful that something else higher up in the class hierarchy didn't also implement that delegate. Uh, this is namely uh troublesome whenever you use gesture delegates because gesture delegates are widespread throughout the system uh and therefore there's a high chance that a view controller is privately implementing a gesture delegate um like one of the methods and in swift you have no way of calling super in that scenario because swift cannot guarantee that super exists and therefore you can't bypass that like you could in objective c if there was that implementation happening um, and you did, you happened to know that was happening because you looked at private APIs. Um, so one great way around this is to implement a class just for the delegate. Um, so this is a class, my delegate of type UI gesture recognizer delegate. Um, and in there you can just declare the one method or two methods that you're interested in. You never have to worry about calling super because your class as a single superclass NS object. Um, and NS object does not conform to UI just recognizer delegate. I can guarantee you that. Um, right. <laughs> so this is a great technique because not only can you have your delegate implementation in there, you can also have a pointer or a reference to your actual uh, gesture recognizer. Um, you can have that bundled in there. And that means that wherever you're using this, can you can use it as a component that you just kind of keep it around. Um, right. You can ask it to kind of set itself up, attach itself to view. Um, and from that point forward, uh, you are keeping a reference to your delegate, which you need to keep alive anyways. Um, you choose when you don't want to keep that alive. And in the DNA, you can have it uh, like remove the, the gesture recognizer and clean up in the process. So um, this is a great technique for all sorts of delegates. Um the big ones like table view data source and UI table view delegate, you probably don't need to worry too much about because those are well kind of documented. But uh, for things like the gesture recognizers, you really don't know which view controllers are implementing those. And um, there have been cases where I was bit because uh, I forget which superclass I was like uh, subclassing, but that one did uh, go ahead and implement it. And, uh, it was not possible to kind of 
uh, funnel through and say like, hey, this gesture that I know you view controller, you went ahead and set yourself as a delegate for, you can no <laughs> yeah. longer handle because I'm now I now stuck my face in there. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, this kind of prevents that situation, and I would highly recommend it, mostly because it keeps the code nice and clean as well, right? It's not just an extension at that point. It's its own unique little class. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's like a big thing that I've kind of learned over time is like, and especially at my job uh, now is like, don't be afraid of making new files. Um, like, for example, we will have, uh, I don't know, some file that like has a bunch of protocol conformances and we've ended up just making extensions in brand new files for each of those uh, like large protocol conformances. And it makes it so that you're not scrolling through like literally 3000 lines of code uh, in a single file. It's like a little bit more organized and, you know, you're taking a step further by making a completely different class um, and linking it that way. But I mean, organizationally that's good. And then also just the, uh, like you said, the added benefit of them not having to kind of, uh, you're not fighting with, your your super class as far as like who owns what gesture so that's mm-hmm. nice yeah it's it's definitely a lot easier to not worry too much about how ma- how big files are how many files you have like yeah we have for all intents and purposes lim- unlimited resources uh for yeah. text uh that's not true for video but for, for text at least you really have or tabs uh unlimited uh, resources tabs i cannot make that promise uh, my computers with their copious amounts of ram do not have unlimited resources for tabs um you take that back sir um, I, I speak only the truth sir <laughs> this is the reason i need to restart often uh yeah. it's all the tabs um but yeah like take advantage of the fact that you can organize things semantically rather than for performance sake um yeah. only facebook needs to worry about xcode not being able to compile their app because they made it too big yeah uh for everyone else uh there isn't mastercard but there is uh just like organize your files keep it keep it sane shift commando to the rescue yeah and uh, one that i learned about i don't know maybe a few months ago was shift command j shows you where uh the file is in the file like in the file Ooh. organizer so good because I mean I've got we we have things out in folders, but if you just like are command clicking through things and trying to jump to definition, I don't think it it actually shows that and kind of follows that in the file organizer. So you're like, where, where is this file? Mm-hmm. Shift Command J actually highlights it and opens all the folders and stuff. So nice. So that's been a nice one that I've used recently. Yeah, I, I got super used to that in Nova, which is uh, Panics. Uh, ID for web yeah. development. Uh, whenever you click on a file, whenever you shift command O and you get to something, uh, it will automatically highlight the freaking file in the file navigator. Nice. Uh, nice. Which, uh, yeah, I don't know why Xcode doesn't do automatically. Um, you might lose your place. I don't know. Um, uh. Things are already so chaotic. Just, just highlight it. It would make life simpler. Um, yep. That and the stupid tab with the italics, like, it's never useful. The um, new form of tabs yeah. in Exca. I turned those off. I hate them so much. I just turned on normal tabs. Just yeah, like, I now know that's a VS Code thing uh, that they have infected oh. the world's populace with uh, oh, okay. this this uh, uh, monstrosity. But um, yeah, uh, that I don't I don't get it. 
Like, I just end up with so many as I open stuff up. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I don't, I just, I... The back button, button works just fine. Just let me hit yeah. the back button when I want to. Mm. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't think VS Code has a back button. That's the thing. But oh, I don't right. use VS Code because that drove me nuts. Do you know why? Because when I scrolled, it made me nauseous. And I didn't think I could get nauseous by scrolling code. But really? when the scroll animation is ever so slightly off from what you're used to, system wide, <laughs> that will awesome, do it. Um, <laughs> that, that's uh, that's why I very happily just gave uh, Panic lots yeah. of money to. Oh, it's not yeah. even lots of money. It's very affordable. Just go support Panic. Yes, Panic is the best, dude. Yes, Nova panics and will crash, um, mostly because of Node. Uh, but it it happens. And I've sent them lots of loving uh, poetry via the the crash reporter. Oh, this time it was me saving uh, because like there was one night where it crashed maybe like two dozen times. So I just kept building on whatever I was saying previously. <laughs> um, kind of like I don't, I don't remember what that show that movie is where they have the cards in front of the house and it's like snowing outside and they're like I still loved you, but yada yada. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, so very much. In the spirit of that, uh, I left a I lot like of uh, love notes to the Panic developers, and <laughs> or I'd, I'd like to think they were nice. I don't remember at the time because it crashed two dozen times that night. But yeah, uh, yeah, support Panic. Uh, let them let them continue making Nova be a great app because it is way better than VS Code, and VS Code is hot garbage. Um, and I say that with no no remorse. Yeah. I'm just glad Xcode is like, it's good. I like it. I don't, uh, you know, Xcode will eventually, uh, you know, occasionally crash. And it has, I think we talked about it probably in earlier episodes, like pretty early episodes. And there were some weird issues with like crashing when you made a tab or something. I don't know. But like they fix it and it's good. And, you know, I still feel I bad to this day when... Like, I told uh, an Xcode developer at WWDC, I'm like, I don't like Xcode. It keeps crashing when I was, like, 18 or 19. Um, I just said that to their face. I had no remorse <laughs> at all. But um, You're brutal, dude. I guess in my 30s, I, I, I've come full cycle uh, in, in a completely different way. Um, now you know what's out there, and you're like, okay, yeah, Xcode, pretty good. Yeah. Oh, VS Code, complete trash. Um don't use VS Code. Use Nova. Uh, I wish uh, them all the best that they can fix the crashes that I have encountered. But I will continue giving them good bug reports because actually yeah. the best I can give, honestly, I don't know why I crashed. I typed a letter. Uh, but I remembered which letter I typed every time because I was getting good uh-huh. at it. Uh, so hopefully it was useful. That's all I got yeah. to say. As always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on mastodon.social at CodeCompletion to know when new episodes go live, and feel free to toot at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis. That's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buñol. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. How excited are we for 10 minutes of Tears of the Kingdom? It'll be good.
I hope. I don't know. I'm sure. Uh, I so I I don't know anything about this. Is it just going to be gameplay, or is it just talking about the game? Or I think they said, just said gameplay. Um, cool. I don't know if it means that like AG Onuma is just going to go and like make a car for ten Run minutes, around. and yeah, we're yeah. just going to get like no no visibility into the actual game. <laughs> it's like all top down, just pointing at the ground. You don't see any actual like landscape or anything or let's explore this cave and then it's like oh i found some uh wonderful rocks let's go see and it's like we get nothing done in these 10 minutes everyone's like oh yeah rocks <laughs> just climbing around the cave <laughs> yeah he can climb oh, the man. ceiling and the stalactites <laughs> yeah there you go but what time is it at 7 a.m pacific so before i wake oh, up which is perfect i will not be awake yeah, I'll just watch the replay. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what time is that in Japan? I don't know. 16 hours, I think. Like 4, 4 or 5 p.m.? Oh, okay. I thought it was... No. Uh, no, I went the other 11 p.m. Interesting. 11 p.m. What the crap? That's such a weird time. Well, it's already pre-recorded. I don't think they're going to... They're yeah, going to actually fair. do it live. But like, well, I guess it's like maybe Eastern time is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 10, 10 a.m. Eastern time is a sane, sane yeah. time to do it. Yeah. That's where their Nintendo store is, right? It's in New York. Uh, so. Oh, is it? Yeah. Did oh. they open the Nintendo World? Yes, right? they did. And, and yeah. did they just do it in Hollywood or did they do it in Universal Florida as well? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I have yet to visit it, despite. Oh, dude! I thought it was in Florida. It's in yeah, in Universal Studios in yeah. Hollywood. Guess You're how, like right there. Guess dude. how far that is away from my parents? A two minute drive. We can. Walk. Oh, I used to walk to Universal City Walk from my parents' house. Um, oh my god! It's like a twenty minute walk, uh, which was like super nice until the curfew police came, uh, which was always fun. Uh, we hid in the candy store. Um, yeah, they never look in a candy store <laughs> they for never. kids. Um, but yeah, that's that's that's, Dang, that's you should here. go. Man. I should. If or I should visit times, you, and we should go. You should yeah. visit me, and we should go during non-COVID Let's times. Go! Uh, hopefully, I'll still be there. Um, yeah, I guess they replaced Harry Potter. I don't know what they like. Universal Studios is very yeah, small. Good. There's not like yeah, rooms, so they have to replace something anytime they bring something in. So I don't know what they got rid of. Um, but yeah. It's a thing. Sweet, cool. Well, we'll go sometime and we'll uh, have an uh, a live or not a live, but an, uh, a completely in person episode of of Code Completion at Dimitri's house or something. We're gonna totally not know what to do with show notes and recording. It's gonna be chaos. <laughs> It'll be total chaos. <laughs> but you'll be here for it, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be we'll wonderful. See. Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.